0: hey there it's bailey hancock career happiness strategist creator of the one-year career and your host of the bailey hancock show a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps navigating your career doesn't have to suck i'm here to help you learn to love the process hey guys bailey hancock here welcome back Today, we have another fellow boss lady friend of mine, Jamila Lang. Jamila is the founder and creative director of Chic Work Chick, which I'll let her tell you all about what that is. But moral of the story, by the end of this uh, podcast, you're going to want to be following it on all of the social channels because it is great. Um, And I'm super excited because I don't know what Jamila has cooking for her business in the next like six months. So this will be a surprise for me too. But first and foremost, I'm excited to hear how she ended up where she is today, because that story is always fascinating to me. And yeah, get the lowdown on what is coming down the pipeline. So welcome, Jamila.
1: Hi, Bailey. Thanks so much for having
0: me. Absolutely. I, I met Jamila about a year ago now um, at Boss Ladies, which I reference this a lot, so I'll put it in the show notes. But essentially, it's a community of female entrepreneurs. And when I met Jamila, I remember her saying like, yeah, I'm launching this um, this chunky sweater, bodysuit. I'm like launching a fashion line. And in my mind, I was like, oh, so this is what she does. You know, she's been at this for a while. She's a fashion designer. Cool. And it wasn't until a couple months later that I found out that this was like a brand new venture. And, you know, six months earlier, she was doing something totally different. And I was blown away because to watch her progress in the last year has been nothing short of inspirational. So. Yeah, I knew I had to have Jamila on because she is getting shit done and quickly, um, but in a very thoughtful and strategic way. So, lay it on us. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. How did this all start? I guess, start at the beginning. Like, what yeah, did you
1: go to school
0: for? What did you want to be
1: when you grew up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, I was always a creative person growing up. I was always drawing, sketching, creating things, making things. Um, I, and I love being creative, but I didn't really see a career path in that at the time. You know, it was pretty much, you go to college, you get like a regular job, a regular good Real job. job. <laughs> fluffy design stuff. So <laughs> I was like, maybe I want to be a painter. Like, you know, I didn't really know. Yeah. But, um, but I love communication. So I got my, I got my degree in communications, um, in 2007. Um, oh,
0: and for those of you watching, this, <laughs> I'm drinking out of my lucky, <laughs> lucky 7 coffee mug. mug that I got when I graduated college. I remember thinking like, man, people are gonna know I'm only 23. Like they're gonna know I'm so young. And that was 11 years ago. I know,
1: it's (laughs) so crazy now. And I thought the same thing on my resume, like they're gonna know I just graduated from college. Um, But I started my career kind of in a community event planning um, in a nonprofit. Eventually I landed a really great job with a very notable, Fortune 100 company doing um, community relations, government relations, um, working in the environment, which um, was quite amazing for me to be so young. I was like 25 years old and uh, kind of my first big corporate job. You know, I put my all into it. I, I rose the ranks really high. You know, I was getting paid, a, getting paid a decent salary and I thought this is like so amazing. And then a shift came maybe about three years ago where it started to get in very mundane and I started to lose focus and wanted more and wanted to be more in a creative space. I think a lot of it came because I switched positions. I kind of got a promotion and that promotion kind of limited me as what I, can, what I can do before. Whereas before I can be creative, I can kind of do my own thing. This was very like stifling and I felt stuck and I like what I a hate nice
0: it. reward for doing a good yeah,
1: job we <laughs> reward and I just felt like oh like life sucking out of me very slowly but <laughs> I didn't notice it and I don't want to use the word depressed but it was almost like a depression at work probably a or funk like, yeah like a funk and I was just like oh my gosh I didn't want to do this so like even like two years prior to, to me leaving my job I wanted to leave my job I just felt like I didn't have an exit. I didn't have a plan. Like, I didn't have a way out. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I was like, you know, I I work another job in communications, which I didn't want to do. Try to move to another position, which I didn't want to do. You know, and I just started, you know, being like, so this is even before I said, this is what I'm going to do to start designing. This is like way before that. And I remember just being, like, sad and telling my husband, like, oh, I don't want to work here. And he's like, look for another job. But that didn't feel right either. It was just like – Right. When
0: you um, don't know,
1: that whole job yeah. search process is even worse than when you do know. It was. And I was applying to stuff. I even got interviews, you know. And I was still like, uh, I don't want to do this, you know. What but, was it about it that didn't make you want to continue down that path? I think for me, just not being creative and knowing that I'm a creative soul. And now during this process, I realized – how important that is to me. I didn't realize that before. I didn't realize like, you know, I need to be in a creative space. I need to be, you know, created things that never existed. I need to be helping other people. Um I need to be around like minded people. And the corporate life, although it's is very fascinating and you know, people say, oh that's so amazing. You work for this company, how awesome is that? Um, you know, it just uh, it it just wasn't for me and I knew it. And what I found myself what I enjoyed doing was outside of work.
0: I was going to say, um, did you have a side hobby that was kind of fulfilling that need?
1: I did. I did. I would do like a lot of event planning. I would do like, you know, organization for people's houses. You know, I was always doing something else besides that that gave me joy. Yeah. that was separate from work. Again, I didn't put the two together as far as like how I can um Make money off of this. Like, believe me. I mean, that's it. pretty normal, though. Like, yeah,
0: people think, oh, well, if I like it, then it can't be a job.
1: It can't be a job, <laughs> right? It should be something that you kind of don't like, but you get paid to do. <laughs> right, it. which is so right. terrible. Right, I know. I really had to change my whole mindset. So, mm-hmm. it wasn't until, again, I have been trying to think about, you know, um, how to leave my job. It wasn't until this opportunity came from one of our clients who said, you know, um, and I worked with them for many years, about four years. And I'm saying, Jamila, you know, we love you working as, for us as our consultant, liaison to the company, but we don't like the company you're working for. Oh. What do you think about coming to work for us independently? And, you know what I mean? Just separately from this company. And I just, a light bulb went off like, oh, that's my moment. Mm. like, you know, I can leave my job and I can be like an independent consultant and I can... You know, all, everything just started fireworks, like, you know, because I had, to, like, again, I didn't have a way out. And although this still was in the same line of work that I was doing before, it just gave me a way out. But plus, it was like on my own terms and to do what I wanted to do. So although I wasn't necessarily passionate about it, it was a way out. So it was a step. It was a step in the right direction. Sometimes that's all you need. And sometimes that's all you need. So of course, I'm smart. So I came home to my husband. Mm-hmm. I got it all figure out. The rest of them was amazing. He's like, uh, "That's one client." And then what happens after that? You know, and I'm like, "Stupid I'm like, husbands." Uh, <laughs> like, you know, husbands—they're always like,
0: "They're you know, these reality they're people." You know?
1: dreams. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we love
1: you. <laughs> I love you though. Dream killer. I know, dream killer. Yeah. So I was, in, but I was just like, you know, I really had to tell him, like, trust me. I'll figure it out because at this time, you know, I think I'm like, I know everything. I'm like, I would figure it out. I would get another client and bada boom, bada boom. So this happened. So within six weeks, I had decided to sign on to this new client, leave my job. I was like plotting my escape before I let them know, you know what I mean? Getting all my things in order. And I was trying to figure out how I can do it financially and, and whatnot. And so luckily my husband said, okay, you know, cause I really convinced him like, you know me, I would make this work. Mm-hmm. You know how hard I work, um, convinced me, that I can do it. And I did. So I left big, huge leap, left my job. And like people, and what do I want to say? People always say, just leave your job. Just go for it. No, it's not that easy. No, that's a bad piece of advice. Yes. Like, no,
0: don't just go for it. Don't leap and hope the net will appear. <laughs> what if you just splat on the concrete? That's not <laughs> right.
1: good. Makes right. a
0: great refrigerator refrigerator magnet. Terrible advice.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And it, it looks good on a t-shirt, but like, <laughs> you know, in reality, it's like, you know, you need to have some type of plan and order, you know, an escape route, you know. Always well, and here. at
0: this point, do you have your children yet?
1: I have my one son. So yeah, my- so,
0: like, you can't but, just go making stupid Yeah, homes. and
1: that was the other thing, too. I had my son, you know, we live downtown LA, it was expensive, he was in a expensive school. I mean, we had, like, bills, like, crazy, I had student loans, I mean, like, so it wasn't realistic for me, As for some people who, like, live at home you know, and you know, don't don't have rent to pay and you know, I ran into that a lot too as my journey goes on. They're like, Well, right now I'm just leaving at home, working for myself. I'm like, Yeah, that's nice. Like you know, I have a kid and husband, so that's not feasible for me. So um, so even with that said, so even though I still had a plan, quote unquote, you know, it still necessarily didn't work out as I planned, but at least it gave me a start. It kind of gave me a start the journey. So I was gave doing- you that confidence to it take that, that confidence. And it gave me that, I said, the idea is what sparked everything that, Oh, I can make this work and it's possible. So I ended up leaving my, I ended up leaving my company and I have, like I said, I just literally have one client you know? <laughs> and luckily the one client came into two clients and, you know, in between there. Um,
0: and what were you doing for these clients? What was your consulting?
1: Yeah. I'm um, doing like environmental consulting. I did a lot with environmental programs. So I helped cities and governments like I did with the city of Santa Monica, city of Torrance. We did various um, environmental programs, um, mm. helping them out with their waste contracts. Cause that's what, that's what I did before to ha- having them I know, same. <laughs> all about trash and recycling. I was like an expert, but um, I was able to help them navigate the contracts with different private haulers, waste haulers, you know, cause I understood all the language and I mm-hmm. knew where the loopholes were and they liked that. I'm saying, Oh yeah, they owe you guys $5,000 because they missed this diversion mark. And they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. No, we no. like her now. <laughs> so um, her around. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, and like, again, I didn't have a business plan. Like I didn't have cards made. I didn't have a, a name for the company. I was just like kind of freestyling it again. Like this was just, you know, I don't recommend this. <laughs> this was just, like I said, a way for me to get out of my job. So, like again, so even though I was doing essentially the same thing, I just felt, I just felt so much more um, excitement about it. And it was, like I said, it was on my own terms. And yes, it was scary, but it was on my own term. So, with that being said, um, eventually, my one client came into two, and two clients came into zero, and then it was. Oh, no. Like, oh, okay. So this is like my first month, like no paycheck. And we were a two income home house family. So the financial struggles hit us immediately after I received that the, the last paycheck, it was like immediate. It was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, you know, you're used to getting this much money and you're not. So I just really had to be creative. So again, I went back to what I like doing when I'm <laughs> my, my, um, my son's um, classmate's mom was like, oh, I need help organizing my house. And I'm like, oh, you can pay me to do it. You know, I would just find like random, you know, jobs. I did some like stuff on photo shoots, helping out with just anything to keep me creative, but also need work. need work, you know, in the interim until I found like another client. And then I'll get like another client. And 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 that's how I've been work- been doing it. But... Um, besides that, I had a moment where I said, okay, what do I really want to do? And I said, I would love to design women's clothing. I mean, hmm. that was like my goal, but I was Where like, did that come from? It's just a, a long time thought that I had for a long time. Just my experience working in corporate America and the lack of corporate, um, the lack of modern corporate wear that was available. Um, It was like either like you're wearing a pantsuit, you know, or it's just like, a little boring, you're just wearing gray. I mean, it just wasn't appealing, it wasn't feminine to me. Um, it didn't give us a lot of options. And for me, when I first got my first corporate job, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to Banana Republic because oh yeah. And Taylor, because this is serious. I remember telling my husband, this is serious now. I have like a real job. I need to get like real clothes. Mine was
0: Express and the Limited. (laughs) Yeah,
1: like, we're like, this is, this is legit now.
0: I had so many pencil skirts, I can't even tell you. Exactly,
1: like, pencil skirts of the woohoo. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they weren't, like, length appropriate, they were too tight. Oh,
0: I'm five feet tall and have, like, no (laughs) torso or no legs, so everything's just too big on me, and it looks like a kid dressing up in her mom's clothes.
1: Yeah, so you're just walking around the office, like It was bad. I looked like a child. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, like, the challenges were there. I had the challenges. I'm very curvy, so my challenge was, like, things look too tight on me and too sexy, and I didn't want to have that. You're being so sexy, (laughs) Jamila. Yeah, like, I'm wearing a pencil skirt, and my ass is like, ah, there it (laughs) is. And I just felt like, you know, I know I can design something better because, you know, not only am I a client, but I'm also, you know, I have the design, you know, Creative thoughts and everything like that. So, but again, I didn't know how to proceed. It was like at the same moment. I was
0: going to say, how do you figure out how do you? I don't have an education.
1: So, what I started doing, I'm like, I need to freaking go back to school. And I was like, oh, I do not want to go back to school. Like, you know, at the time I'm like, I'm 32, I don't know if I was 31, 32, I'm like, I don't feel like doing this again. Yeah. I just spent all this other time in school and I thought like, I really thought like I need to go to school. I need to learn how to sew like properly. I knew how to sew, but I mean like for real, I need to do pattern making. Like I thought that this was the route that I had to take, you know, not knowing. So again, I had the idea, I had the concept, I had the social media following. So I thought like, Oh, you know, but I never took a step to move forward. It's just that it was there. So then it wasn't until like I came to boss ladies in March One, being surrounded by other creative women who were pursuing, although different things, but had the same passion, drive, focus, issues, problems, and everyone kind of collaborating and helping each other really changed it for me as far as me taking the step to say, okay, yes, I can do this. You know, so when like, I know it was like a short process from like March, literally until June to when I created my first product and put it out to everyone i mean that's how fast it was
0: it was crazy you guys i literally met her in march (laughs) i took off april and may because i got married and then i come back in june and this chick has like a whole freaking kickstarter and a real product and she and i'm like whoa that was
1: fast (laughs) It was super fast. So how
0: did that happen? You obviously didn't go back to school. So how did you get around that? I didn't
1: go back to school. Um, It it was just kind of um, things in place. Remember, but again, I would say I had the idea and I had the concept already. So that kind of helped me. But then it led me to meeting one person who said, oh, you should talk to this person. Go talk to this person. I ended up meeting like this knitwear expert phenom who does stuff for Ralph Lauren and Donna Karen and you know is amazing it was like you know I want to work with you like she said I only work with four people a year but you're going to be my fifth and like wow. you know because my she loved my idea I had this idea for a chunky sweater bodysuit and um, she was like, it's just phenomenal. And- Which,
0: let me map that out what that is for you guys, because I did not understand it when I first heard it. And then I tried it on. It's literally a bodysuit. So it like sucks everything in on the bottom. And then on the top from your waist up, it's a really cute, chunky sweater. So you can actually like make it look like it's tucked into a pencil skirt or pants while it's sucking everything in in the right places. And it looks so chic and so good. I was so impressed with it when I tried it on. I was like, damn, Jamila, I want five of these. Let's do this. So that's what a chunky sweater bodysuit is. For those of
1: you trying to wrap your heads around that. Yeah, like what? I know, the name is crazy. It's a lot of words. Yeah, but I had the concept too, just because of my issues trying to tuck in sweaters and, and my skirts and my pants and everything is so bulky. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know. T-
0: it's so simple. It's, it's so, so simple, ingenious.
1: And, you know, I love it.
0: So you think I, having that idea ready to go was what helped you kind of skip the learning process a bit? I
1: think so. I think so. I think one having that idea and ready to go and, and knowing that, but two meeting the right people. And people will say, Oh, I just met some right some right people. I mean, that's hard too. So don't get me wrong. Like yeah. I how did getting,
0: you how did you yeah. start getting introduced to the right people?
1: Right. Well, I met Angela from Boss Lady. She told me about um she told me about this one manufacturer company in Los Angeles that she had considered. She didn't work with them, but she liked it. was female owned. So I might consider, you know, talking to them. So then when I had met, um, I met with the, the owner of the company. And she said, Oh, well, my aunt is this famous knitwear designer. She's mm-hmm. like, you need to talk to her if you want to do a knit. And that's how, you know, I was introduced to this knitwear designer. So I didn't have to learn how to knit because I had someone. He had a person. Um, to, to knit. So that's how the connections were made. It was made through boss ladies to meeting other people through networking. So when people say like, oh, you need to go make connections. This is how you make connections. You get out, you network, you let people know what you're working on. and You, then have, you have
0: to be clear about what you are working on and what you need from people.
1: Right. Exactly. It's and so it leads you to where you need to be. Um, so, but my other biggest challenge was funding. Again, I'm just looking for clients and like you know just to pay my rent this has nothing to do with funding a business and um and I realized that I would need about like fifteen thousand in, dollars in order to make this happen and um so it was just like hmm I don't have fifteen thousand dollars in order to have people to get it from um <laughs> and I had a little bit in savings you know but I um and uh, another thing, too, I would, like, go to different conferences and they'll say, yeah, I got a small loan from my parents of $20,000 or <laughs> all these investors to invest in me. And I'm always like, who are these people? Like, I'm, I need richer friends. Right. I'm like, I'm in the <laughs> wrong circle. You know.
0: Don't feel I, that. I think that all the time. I'm like, damn it, parents. Why weren't you independently wealthy? You
1: know I mean? I'm like, I'm loaning my mom money. I are right. <laughs> No one I can get because we was like, you know, maybe she asked your parents for a small loan. I'm like, no, it's not, good. <laughs> um, not for me. But I had, but I, it was completely self-funded, and I didn't. Another thing too, I didn't fund it all at once. So every month I would work, I would save, I would do extra stuff on the side. Um, I use money for my savings for my credit card um, in order to fund this because if you look at the number 15,000 like oh that's so huge you know but if you break it down for each month it's like five thousand dollars like okay I could take five thousand from savings five thousand from a credit card and five thousand if I do keep working do some more stuff get another client so that's how I was funded so I completely funded yeah it was doable I think um too because when I first did the number I'm like "Well, there's no way I'm gonna like get all this money.
0: But isn't that the way everything goes? At first glance, it looks insurmountable and massive. And then when you really start breaking it down, it's just a series of smaller pieces.
1: Yeah, no, really. And that's, and that's where you have to do it too, because everything can become very overwhelming. I mean, like, have you ever listed out all your bills? Oh yeah, I forgot that little, oh, my gym bill. You know, you forget. Whoa, this is a lot. You know what I mean? But you know, it's taken out in increments throughout the month. So <laughs> right. it's, it's kind of a
0: different situation. Yeah, now, different
1: and, situation. And that's
0: all, I mean, tr- to go back to like, this is what the whole podcast is about, right? The one year career, make big moves with small steps. A big move for you was figuring out how to fund this and you just made it happen. You took actionable steps. You figured out where you could pull money from, where you could borrow it from, like where you could make it. And then lo and behold, there you go.
1: Yeah. So then I had, I mean, no, you're exactly right. And that's why I want people to know, too, that, you know, you may not have the funding. You may not have all the resources that you need, you know what I mean? But still kind of move forward, especially if you feel like your idea is worth sharing with the world, Um, especially if you feel like, you know, this can really be something, you know, and talk to your friends and ask them, like, what do you think about this idea? And that's another thing I thought I did prior. I was asking everyone anywhere at the nail shop, my hair, like, they're like, oh my gosh, I love that idea. You know what I mean? And so on and so on. So um, so yeah, fast forward to my Kickstarter, which was June of last year. Again, this, everything happened so fast. It's so insane. I don't even know. Like,
0: So did you end up getting the 15K on your own and then the Kickstarter was a different amount of money that you needed?
1: Yeah, the Kickstarter was the amount of money I needed to... Um, in order to mass produce the sweaters. Gotcha. So, what was that first fifteen thousand for? Just for my samples to get my samples made mm. to help with the Kickstarter to help with like, um, you know, website and graphic design, getting my logo just to kind of get it started to be and you get your prototype together. Get my prototypes together because the samples were very ex- expensive because I have to source all the materials. Oh, and
0: it's a, a new concept too, it's right? A new
1: concept, and we had, to, and that's what took so long to make the. You know, I had to make the transition between the sweater and the bodysuit portion completely seamless, yeah. and I wanted everything to perfect. And then we had we're trying to use our um, environmental friendly dyes to get the color to match with the pink because the pink was so difficult. But I wanted that pink color so bad, so I'm like, a great pink color. You know, it's so fabulous. It's like the perfect tone of pink, and um, and just all that. You know, so all that took time and all that took money. Um, so that's where the $15,000 were from. So I needed, I needed, when I launched my Kickstarter, I needed $40,000 to do a production run.
0: Mm.
1: And again, so prior to my, prior to my Kickstarter, I did so much research. I read so many books. I had like, you know, everything in place. It, it totally consumed my life for like two months like even prior, I mean, to making this happen. So in addition to making the sweater, getting all that, going to meetings, I was doing my research on Kickstarter, how to make it successful. And I read like three different books, you know, in a one week period. <laughs> um, and, um, oh, but I wanted to say something too about, if sorry, if we can go back first. Yeah. This is your party, let's go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that. So after I left my job, you know two months later I found out I was pregnant with my second oh son. My God. <laughs> and I had like the worst pregnancy where I was like when I had those pregnancy. my first pre- pregnancy was amazing no issues I worked literally up until the I gave birth like oh I God. I worked until the 19th I gave birth on July 20th oh with my first son. Um, and this one just left me I forgot the name of it but extremely fatigued we're like I literally could barely get out of bed and like wash my face. Ugh. It was like some type of like something had came over me, you know, and I couldn't eat and it was like How long did that last? The whole time? Almost, almost oh. the whole time. Maybe about like um yeah, almost the whole time on and off. And I had a two year old too at the time. Oh God. So it was like I'm tired just hearing this. <laughs> I know. So when I when I when I launched this Kickstarter, I mean, when I came with the idea, my son, my second son was only like nine months old too. So this was all going on at the same time. Your so,
0: life is going to feel so easy yeah. in like five years. So, You're going to be like, if I could do all that, I
1: can do anything. <laughs> that's my goal. My goal this year is easy, easy. Yeah. <laughs> um wow. so i did all the i did all the research for kickstarter i had everything i had a good social media following at the time i had like around 50,000 so
0: yeah we haven't talked about chic work chick and when that showed oh, up mm-hmm.
1: so chic work chick um really it started um as an instagram page i suppose pictures of my outfits it was like so. Really, how long
0: has that been going on
1: that had been already going on for like Two years prior. Funny,
0: did that even clue you in at all to what you might end up be doing? No,
1: no. Again, like I couldn't make the connection.
0: It's like all of these flashing signs, and you're like, do 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 do
1: do. do. Like Jamila, people want to see what you got. Like people are curious. People like your aesthetic. People like what you're posting. I didn't see that, and. You know, and I had 50,000 followers, and it was like, oh, okay. There's nothing to sneeze at. Also, nothing, nothing. For a side thing
0: that you're not even looking at as like a revenue stream. That's incredible.
1: Well, I was getting some sponsored posts, and I didn't realize I was getting sponsored posts until someone hit me up to say, How much do you charge for a post? And literally, I said $50. And like, Okay, give me three. And I'm like, Oh. Like I didn't know. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like and somebody was like, No, that's too low. You should be charging more. So then I started charging like hundred twenty five dollars for each sponsor post. And then like if you wanted the link in my bio, I charge you an extra fifty. Like
0: how did you, you even know? know how to do that?
1: You just kinda asked around or just figured it out? I just made it up. Yeah. I mean, like someone said you should be charging more than fifty. Actually, it was Elizabeth from Boss Ladies said, You need to be charging more than fifty dollars. Like I mean, I don't
0: know anything about it, but 50 seems low to me. Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things I think people forget how much we make up as we go, both in your career and personally. Like, we're all just figuring this stuff out as we go. And there, you know, for a lot of this stuff, like social media, this is less than a 10 year old industry really like yes. just now around about now 10 years where it's been a business thing. Mm-hmm. So we've been making up a whole new industry as we go this whole time. So I'm always fascinated by like, how did you know? Oh yeah, I made it up. That's yeah. usually the answer. You
1: made it up. I didn't let them know that I didn't know. No. Yeah.
0: They could tell you, make it is real,
1: real. So, and, and so that, that helped out too with additional, um, revenue, income. that definitely helped support it. My Kickstarter efforts, I was trying to I, I was doing, I got to a point where I was doing so many sponsored posts that I had to slow down because it started becoming spammy.
0: Sure. So, it wasn't <laughs> you your have, stuff
1: anymore. Yeah, you have to be strategic. So you yeah. have to kind of you know, no, but I did so many in May because I was trying to get as much money as I can before June, but yeah, so. Well, and
0: that's such an easy little revenue stream. right? It
1: is. It was very easy and, um, you know. Makes
0: you mad at all the times you work your ass off for low money and then there are those times where you're like, I did almost nothing and they paid me more than I've ever made before. You
1: took four minutes out of my life, And, you know, because once I realized it was a revenue student, then I started hitting up brands up and I started working with smaller brands and stuff like that too, which was really great because I like promoting them and they were a smaller brand. Well,
0: and whether you realized it at the time, you're building this incredible network of people in the fashion industry that like, I'm sure if they
1: haven't already come in handy, they will. Yeah, they will. And another thing too, what I didn't realize, like people really focus on the numbers for social media, like even like this one company like sent me like a threatening email saying like I and mind you I don't even have a brand or anything yet. And they're like already scared of me. they're like, <laughs> oh, you're using this term and this term is our term. I'm like, I don't even have anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you gonna
0: sue me for?
1: You guys are nervous. Yeah, like,
0: that's good though. That's a good sign that you're
1: on the stuff. I know. So I was like, hmm maybe I'm onto something. But mm-hmm. um but yeah, so everything kind of just came together. Um So when I launched my Kickstarter in June, I I launched it with such high hopes. I mean, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a genius. Um, You know, I need to sell so many sweaters and everything. My first week went amazing. Um, I forgot. I think we hit, like, 10%. We had like, $4,000, but they say, oh, if you hit 10% the first week, mind you, from all the books I read, you know, you have, like, an 85% chance of being successful, and it pretty much went stagnant from there. Nothing happened. Nothing. And um, I would get maybe one sale a day. And it's like, oh, that's my friend, you know. <laughs> um, and I, and what happened was, well, it was two things. I was launching a chunky sweater in the summer. And I- yeah,
0: that was unfortunate timing. And I, like, tried it on, you guys, in, what, June or July? Yeah. And I was like, I love this, but I'm about to suffocate because it is so hot in L.A. <laughs>
1: It was like 104 degrees for a month straight. I mean, yeah, it was 100 degrees. And like everyone was emailing me like, um, and well, it was two things that I think happened. One, I didn't educate my audience. Okay, so my Kickstarter was not successful. I had like 35 days to raise $40,000. I only raised about 10, but it wasn't successful. And the two, the two reasons that it wasn't successful was one, the weather <laughs> played a huge part. It was like the hottest summer in the past fifty-five years, yeah. I'm watching the news and they're saying this is the hottest summer on record. I'm like, mm-hmm. and you're just a slow single here, I'm just trying to sell a sweater in the summer, <laughs> and two, not educating my audience enough on the Kickstarter process ah. and being already assuming that they know what Kickstarter is, how it works, because I would get so many emails about questions. Like even after the Kickstarter fell, people were emailing me like, so when do I get my sweater? And I'm like, oh no, it doesn't work like that. And that's when I realized like. I didn't really educate um, them on how Kickstarter works and how the process works and how it's a timeline. Mm. Like if, you know what I mean? If someone said, someone will leave a comment and say, oh, I'll get it in the fall. I'll get it when it gets chillier. And they're like, no, no. That is never." You order now. And people are like, you order now? Then you get it in three months? Like, how does that work? So, you know, I think that's something
0: a lot of us make the mistake of doing is when we're, we really know a lot about something, we assume other people
1: do too. And it's just not the case. And it's not the case. It's not the case at all. And although I had like great support and great social media following, and you know, um, like on
0: paper, this should have worked. On paper, it should have worked. You know how life goes, y'all. That's
1: how life goes. So I mean, it shows you can do everything right. You can do all your research, and and it still not work out. You know, so those are some lessons that I learned, and just like you said, like just because you're an expert on something doesn't mean that your audience is. You have to educate them, what do you want them to know? And by the time I started educating them, it was already like maybe a week left, it was a little too late. So, you know, somebody said, If you have to do it over again, you know, I would say, Well, I would educate them earlier, even before our launch. You know, I mean, I told them, I'm gonna do a Kickstarter, like, yeah, okay, hey but not saying what the Kickstarter is right. And how that works. Right. Right. I mean,
0: I knew how Kickstarter worked and there was still part of me at the end that was like, but, but can I still have a sweater? <laughs> right.
1: My friend was like, where's my sweater? I'm like, no, there's my friends. Like, there's someone else emailing me like, did you, you charge my credit card? I'm like, no, it's not charged. Yeah.
0: That's the thing too. People don't realize with Kickstarter is like, you don't get charged till it goes through, but in their minds, they got charged exactly. even if, you
1: know, yeah. Yeah, so I I spent more time answering questions about Kickstarter than I did about the sweater. So
0: now you're an expert on all of the frequently asked questions. On all
1: those, so. You could
0: write a Kickstarter book at this point.
1: Because that was the one thing that was missing in all the book. No one ever said you have to be timely. You know, and no one ever said you need to educate your audience on Kickstarter. What they said is let them know two weeks prior that it's coming. But no one ever used the word educate them on what it is, how it works. So Kickstarter experts you are missing that part. Somebody write it. (laughs) Um, with that being said, in a way, the Kickstarter—had I done the Kickstarter, had I been successful, it be would've been great. So to have my sweater made, but that's all I was able to do. It wasn't like the forty thousand dollars was going to be create a business, create a company. You have I was, to keep doing this over. I and would over just and have to keep doing this over and over. And that's when I realized some companies literally only do Kickstarter because that's the only revenue they have. Because it gets you kind of trapped in a little cycle where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, we've done Kickstarter, this is it. Now we have another product. We're going to have to do a Kickstarter again because we don't have revenue. We don't have any profits really from that. Because Yeah,
0: because you end up selling things for way
1: less than they cost. Way less than they cost. Or at cost. For, yeah, exactly. Just to get the product made. So, you know, so I don't, you know, well, now I don't feel too bad about the Kickstarter. Yes, it was a blow to my confidence and to what I thought I knew. But in the long run, it's like, what do I want? I want to have a long lasting company. I want to be be able to create things on demand when I want. I want to be able to deliver products and Kickstarter is not the route for that. So now that I know that, and I'm moving forward totally different now, the second time around with my, um, sheep Chic work chick clothing line, my first collection is being able to have a long lasting company from this afterwards. So it's not like, Oh, here it is. And then there's nothing, you know, to yeah. keep going. So, mm-hmm.
0: so what's that process been? Because I feel like, you know you kind of went into like a mini hibernation you're like okay this happened got to learn from it what am i going to do next so it's been quite a few mini months now what's uh what's the plan for building this sustainable long lasting company
1: yeah well right now i'm in the process of designing and creating my first workwear collection it's a seven piece collection that is black all black and white minimal chic amazing
0: wait is the chunky sweater bodysuit in there
1: (laughs) kind of sort of a version of it a version of it so i'll take um, it thank you (laughs) (laughs) um but it's it's what i call minimal workwear staples that are modern like so i'm creating um work where for the girl on the rise so she can be the girl who just graduated she can already be the ceo she can go straight from her desk to dinner with her friends without changing Um, she can be in the boardroom very professional then go out with her boyfriend at night Um, so that's what i'm trying to create right now and that's my idea that's the girl um who i am marketing for with that being said creating something from scratch um and a, a whole line rather than one piece is a lot of work. So have
0: you had to actually, I mean, because I know the first time you had a fleshed out concept, so you Mm -hmm. didn't have and you outsourced
1: a lot of the stuff.
0: Yeah. What what pieces were you missing for this version
1: to come to light? I mean, everything. And mind you, I've changed it 10 times to get down to the seven piece because first I was like, for sure, I want a dress. I want a pair of pants. I mean, it was just getting crazy. So I had to really flesh out all my um, ideas. And this actually cost me some money because – a lot of money from, not mistakes, but I was having so many samples made because I was trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted. And then I get the sample made and I try it on the fit model and I'm like uh yeah but it's not like special (laughs) you know like you know they're like what do you want glitter i'm like no (laughs)
0: no, you know
1: boardroom chic glitter yeah exactly so i would get so many samples made and mind you all these samples are like 250 dollars each like you know (laughs) this is where learning to sew is going to come into play later um yeah doing that piece yourself pattern making yeah but i was doing that and then i finally had to take a moment last month to say okay what do I want? If I had to go in my closet and get dressed for work every single day and not think about anything. And that's when I say, it's going to be all black and white because when you're having too many colors, it's just getting too confusing. If you have black and white pieces, it's so easy to get dressed. You can mix and match all the time and always be chic and always be ready. So then once I came up with the color scheme, (laughs) you know, removing all the other colors that I was trying to add into and prints and you know, all that stuff. Like I said, that cost me like $2,000 doing all that work in which none of those samples probably see the light. Maybe one.
0: one Maybe one two. day. Maybe one day. But as far- for nothing.
1: Yeah. For my first collection, it's just it's seven pieces. They're all fabulous. They all work together. Um, right now, my next step is creating the perfect white button down. Um, for boobs? for boobs and for no gap, um, <laughs> the
0: damn middle button gap, the damn
1: middle button gap. Every
0: woman you know, with a bust knows this. Exactly.
1: And it's all the time. And that was my thing too, going to all these stores. So like I would have a huge thing. So I get like a safety pin. I mean, right. like, so I'm eliminating that. Um, the darting is very feminine on this shirt. Um, it's, it's so fantastic. Cause like the premium, um, Premium cotton, which is like wrinkle free, is stretchy in the arm part, the upper arm. So I really and like
0: make it so it doesn't have to be ironed.
1: Yeah, that's my whole my. my I'm <laughs> hoping straight from like straight from dryer on.
0: That's my life. Um, and if I have to iron something, I'm never
1: yeah. wearing it. Right. Well, my husband says, "Well, you don't have to iron because everything you wear is tight." I'm like, "Oh." <laughs>
0: That's true. <laughs> I don't think that sounds like a complaint.
1: Oh my god, that is true. I don't. Uh,
0: no wrinkles. No room for wrinkles. Easy, easy.
1: So, and that's what I'm working on right now. So that's going to be a process. Like I said, I'm hoping to launch next year, mid June. So you it's know, 2018 June. 2018 June. Maybe April, but I don't like. You know, me. I like to work too fast. I'm learning patience. I was going to say, what's different this time around? This time I'm doing a lot more research um, before I'm putting anything out. I know there's like pressure already. Like people were a lot of my friends and just people on social media were pressure me. Like when is the line coming out? What's happening? I felt pressure to hurry up and work and like to give it to them. But for me this time, I want to create something that is perfect and I want it to be right. And then I want to create buzz around it like a month before um, so there's like, it's coming, but it's going to be on the right time. So, and then I need other things in place, you know, that I'm working on behind the scenes. Like I have my website developer and working on, um, my email list, growing that and doing things like that. So all the unsexy, pieces. all the unsexy stuff, the business stuff
0: uh, that this, I mean, that this kind of project can't exist without those pieces.
1: It can't exist without those pieces. And everything's being made, manufactured right here in Los Angeles, downtown, which is exciting. And- I know.
0: I think you, from the beginning, something that's impressed me is you've had very high standards for who you work with, which I think it's easy to go the cheaper route and the quicker route and make it somewhere else and with people you can't speak to in person. Right. You know, you've chosen to go this high level from the get-go, which I think will pay off overall.
1: I think so too. And when you know who your cutter is, who your sewer is, your seamstress, and you know, you're there and literally, you know, I live downtown Los Angeles as well. And I'm a walk away from where my manufacturer is, you know, and see everything what's happening. So it's really fortunate. And I think too, um, a lot of designers are coming back to the United States to have their clothes produced because of that you know, if I need a change, immediately you can make it happen right then and there. You right. know I mean? Versus having to ship overseas and they send it back and then it's going back and forth. That actually costs more time and money. So yes, you're getting a lower cost, but the changes, you know, and the you, you have to know about quality of fabrics and mm. how that works. So for me, it's about quality over quantity. And I think that people will pay for that. And knowing that um, our, our manufacturer is, you know, ethical, like You know, they have maternity leave, health insurance, and they're in an air conditioner office. I'm like, I don't even have air conditioning, you know. like (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) They're getting paid paid a living wage. That's amazing. And that's important to me. And I love that this morning. And I
0: think that kind of seeps into the outcome of the product, too. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's a vibe or whatever, you know, when something's made with quality and with people that are earning a living wage and are actually happy in what they do, you gotta feel like that's in the fabric, right?
1: Yeah, and I, and I believe that, and I believe that. And that's what I'm eventually I'm gonna show. I wanna show you know, through Instagram stories and things about what's going on behind the scenes. That's like my next step as well, just so they know they know where their clothes are coming from. I think it's just how we're getting very conscious about where our food is coming from. Next is gonna be clothes. You're right. And, and um, things like that, because it's important to know.
0: That's awesome. So if you had to give Jamila at 25
1: Mm -hmm. some advice, what would you tell her? Um, You know, I wish when I was 25, I wish that I would have been more, definitely more confident in in myself. Believe in yourself. Don't be a people pleaser. Cause I used to be, I've changed so much too. And I think for the better, I used to be a people pleaser. I used to even have books on my desk that, made me look smart or like important, <laughs> That you know if someone sees it I'd never Good read strategy. That one, right? <laughs> you know oh here's this book from Gandhi or whoever like, <laughs> it's just randomly on my desk um not try you know and two don't try too hard or I mean not try too hard but speak up a lot of times you know I will be in the boardroom and I wouldn't speak up and I was the smartest person there and they'll be saying these dumbass ideas and I'm like <laughs> This is so dumb, but I'm in this room full of all white men, and what do I say at 25? I'm like, right, that's great. I think we should go for it. Knowing in my mind, I'm like, that's so dumb. That's never gonna work. You know, I wasn't bold enough to speak up because, again, I'm 25. I'm black. I'm a woman. I don't know. You know, this is my first, you know, corporate job, and you know, so I wish I would intimidating as hell. Exactly. So I I would, I would tell her, Jamila, speak up. It'll be okay. You're right, but you may be wrong, you know, but I think overall it'll be okay. It'll be okay.
0: (laughs) That's just some good life lesson for all of us at any age is it's going to be okay. It's
1: going to be. This too
0: shall pass. Nothing's forever, (laughs) good or bad. I think that's super important. Well, I continue to be impressed as hell by you. And I am first in line when this line comes out, whenever the hell that is, no pressure, take your time, do it the way you want to do it put all that time and love and new knowledge you're gaining. I think that's a cool thing too, because, you know, worst case scenario, this doesn't end up being the thing you work on for the next five to 10 years, but you've just gained so much new knowledge that you had no idea about even two years ago. So mm-hmm. that's really cool.
1: No, thank you so much. Thank you, Bailey, for supporting me. You've been so awesome and I'm so grateful to even call you my friend. And- uh same. Yeah.
0: Thanks Jamila. And we'll be sure to link to everything in the show notes. And maybe by the time this airs, you'll have uh, some more behind the scenes stuff to share, but definitely follow Chic Work Chick. It's, it's a great Instagram handle. If you are like me and you are fashion challenged and you don't know what's cool. I just, I have no imagination when it comes to clothes. And so I love her handle because she does a lot of reposts of Great outfits and people, women of all shapes and sizes, which is so helpful because you know I'm five feet tall and I'm not like this string bean, and I don't look like a lot of the women that I see wearing the clothes I want to wear. So it's nice to see you feature you feature a lot of petite women on there, which yes, I appreciate. I
1: do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've found a lot of cool handles to follow through it, but. It's good work inspiration, so.
1: Yeah, great work inspiration, and one of the reasons I started, because a lot of these bloggers are wearing things, like, I, can, I can't I wear that on a Wednesday, like, no wearing backwards dresses right. and they all of that, I'm like, but yeah, we have real jobs Yeah, <laughs> we right. have to go to, so I felt like there wasn't a space for work women to go on Instagram and. That was another reason why I started as well. So, well, and I'm not, and
0: what are, what are you at follower wise now on it? Cause you were at like 50 K at the beginning of 2017. I
1: think I'm at like 57,000 too. Okay, right. And growing, it's all organic. Um, I'm hoping to put a lot of effort next year. My goal is 60,000, but I'm going to actually start putting effort into growing it. Um, you know,
0: you know, in your free time
1: In my free time. <laughs> and how
0: old are your boys now?
1: Um four and one, 18 months, and they are wonderful. Um I have one little savage, the little one is a savage. <laughs> He's the, he runs the show around here. And then my four four year old is just so extremely smart. Like it's so amazing. So I'm very fortunate, very blessed. And my husband has been so incredibly amazing to really, I mean, he's not only supported us financially, but supported me through this process, supporting me through my Kickstarter. He's seen everything and has been there 100%. So um, I have a lot to be grateful for a lot to be excited for. And I already have claimed that 2018 will be like the best year of my life. So
0: I'm with you on that. I think 2018 is going to be a very important year for a lot of people. And I'm so excited to be on like, the cheering squad for
1: every last one of you. So
0: Congrats in advance, no matter how it all shakes out. I'm proud of you and I think it's going to be wonderful.
1: Thank you, Bailey. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jamila. Bye guys.